Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. Well, I started a series last week. I'm going to continue with this. You know, a young girl was watching her mother bake a ham for a family gathering and noticed her mom cutting off the ends before placing it in the oven. And she said, Mom, why do you cut the ends off the ham before you put it in the oven? And the mother thought for moments, and hmm, I, I think it's to help the juice to absorb into the ham and make it better. But she says, I'm not for sure. I just learned how to do it from my, your grandma. And so she said, won't you call grandma and see why grandma did that? So she called grandmother and she said, I was watching my mom cook the ham and, and she cut off the ends of it and she says it's for absorbing the juice. And, and, and her grandmother said, yeah, I think that's right because I do the same thing and I'm pretty sure that's why we do that. And she says, but I'm going to tell you, I learned how to cook that ham that way from your great-grandmother. And so she says, why don't you call your great-grandmother, who was still alive, and ask her why she did what she did. And so she called her great-grandmother, and she said, great-grandma, I just want to ask you a question. I was watching mom cook a ham this morning, and she cut both ends off. She said it was to absorb the juice. And then I watched grandma, or called grandma, she said the same thing. Then great-grandmother just chuckled a little bit and says, no, that's not why I cut that off. I didn't have a pan big enough for the whole ham to fit in. You know, we've heard that story once or twice, maybe, if you've been around, and sometimes it's a ham or sometimes it's a roast. The fact is, it has to do with the way we think or why we think we do certain things. See, we do things because that's the way we were taught, but never ask the most single, this most simple question is, why do we do these things? You know, even as I was thinking of, of this morning, and I didn't have it in my message, but, you know, there's a reason that we do certain things, but yet we don't quite understand them until it does not go right in our lives. Last week, I started a four-part series, and it's titled, Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do. I spoke of why we gather together as a people in in your local church each week, and the things that come out of that gathering. I spoke of the reason we gather together, and if you weren't here last week, you can go to sjag.church and listen to that message and, and download that sermon if you want to listen to it. I encourage you to do that if you didn't listen to it, but there's reasons we gather together. It's not just to mess your day up. It's not just to say, hey, let's go to the lake, let's go to church. It's, there's reasons we come together. And so today I will be speaking of the need that we come together for. One of the things that we do when we gather together is the need that we learn to grow together. That we learn to grow in God's Word. Growing is a wonderful thing when it comes to a Christian's walk. You know, when we come out of a river, we bring some of the river water with us. The water clings to us until enough time has passed to dry it up. 
Likewise, when we come out of a worldly social order when we become a Christian, but some of the worldly ways cling to us, time, instruction, and prayer are necessary for us to grow beyond such things into mature Christians. We must do things in our Christian walk in order to mature, in order to grow. This, my friend, is expected of every Christian and is very spiritually correct when it comes to our life with God is that God expects us to grow spiritually in our life and in the things that we do. So we're not only together, but we are to grow in God's Word. There's a reason we are here. For the next few minutes, and believe me, it's just going to be for the next few minutes, we'll be looking at the same or some New Testament references on how we are instructed to grow. You know, if I had my opportunity, I'd still be growing taller. But yet, for somewhere in that walk, I, I, I seem to bottom out at about, I'm not even going to tell you what I got, my driver's license. You know, a short guy will always say, well, look at my driver's license. But you know, we don't have to be that spiritually in our life. We can grow each and every day, and God expects us to grow in our relationship with Him. See, I can, I can say that, you know, this first is that growing spiritually is not just for the new beginner, for that one that just got saved. It's not just for them, but for the one that has been saved a while, and also for the one that perhaps has stumbled in their walk and their relationship with God, there's still opportunity for them to grow in God. And also may I say that the spiritual maturity is not determined by the years we have been saved, or how much Bible we know, it is determined by how much Bible is applied into our everyday lives. You hear what I say? It's not about how long I've been in the church. And it's not about how long I've been saved. And it's not about my age. Spiritual maturity has to do with how much Bible I actually apply into my life in my everyday decisions and the things I do. So I want to look at some areas this morning. Just got two points this morning, so it'll go fast. The first thing I want to look at is don't stay in the delivery room. Don't stay in the delivery room. Hebrews 6, chapter 1, verses 3, through 1 through 3, or chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 says this, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Just verse 1 is what I'm looking at. And then that's the New King James. The New Living Translation says this, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again, and let us go instead and become mature in our understanding. Listen to what that says. As Christians, we are too told to move from the basic teachings of Christ. In other words, we are to start going forward in our walk with the Lord. We are, start, we are to start learning things a little deeper than what it takes to be saved. It's talking about the teachings that we first heard when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's talking about the teachings that we first learned about water baptism. Many of you know water baptism is a good thing for you. 
It's an outward testimony of something that's happened inward. These are basic foundation things. These teachings that I'm talking about when we're talking about the, the delivery part is the teaching delivered us out of sin and bondage. How many of you know the Word of God when we believe in Jesus has delivered us out of sin and also the bondage that we were born in? The Bible says, for we all have sinned and came short of the glory of God. And when we believe in these foundational principles, these foundational teachings, we come out of those things. No longer have I bound by sin, no longer have I bound by the enemy, but I have been set free. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're set free this morning? Aren't you glad you know Jesus? Because He has broke the bondage of sin in our life. He has broke that bondage if we will but believe in Him. It also speaks of that, that delivery from the grave. Come on, every one of us is bound by the grave. There's no way out of the grave. There's no way out of, uh, of, of judgment, out of that. And, and that foundational scriptures that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, for he says, I have come to set you free. And he says, I've come to give you life, and not only life, but life more abundantly. And so when we understand the foundational principles, you know what happened to me when I gave my life to Jesus? I know that if I draw my last breath on this side of glory, I know that when the trumpet sounds, I'm coming up out of that grave and I'm going to be with Him for eternity. Hallelujah, what hope we have in Jesus Christ. What hope we have in the Lord. Amen. Ain't, gone, ain't no grave, well I know that's Texas talk, ain't no grave going to hold me down, Right? Because what happened when I believed those foundational works of Jesus Christ? I got set free of those things. Those things set us free. Not only that, but also the judgment that's coming upon this world. And believe me, that judgment is coming. Will the Christian be yet judged? Yes, we will. We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but we won't be standing before the great white throne judgment, which is two different judgments but yet we've been set free of the one. So we can basically say what I'm trying to get across this morning, we've been delivered from those things. And so we could basically say that we had been in the delivery room. How many of you have been to the delivery room this morning? Where you went down to that altar? How many of you remember where your delivery room was? When you asked Jesus into your heart and accepted Him as King of kings and Lord of lords. When I think about my salvation moment, I remember the delivery room. I remember where I was at or what side of the church I was on. I was, uh, I was literally, a, I think I was a west side church because they had two different, one aisle, two different sides. But I went down to the east side to get saved. Down to the altar. I'm just saying today, I remember where I was born. You know, and my mother, if you was to be able to talk to my mom, she would tell you exactly where I was delivered as a child, and she would tell you how many hours. I think it started at 24 hours of labor, and by the time she passed, she was up to like 48 hours with me. <laughs> Remind me of that delivery room. We've all been there. If we got Jesus Christ in our life and been blood-bought, washed by the blood of Jesus, we've been to the delivery room. God has set us free. But we've got to move out of that room. Paul would say if you hang around that room, listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians when he speaks of this. He says this in chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. What's he saying? You haven't moved past. We haven't moved past that moment that we heard the foundational doctrines of Christ and that moment that we were saved. 
Babes in Christ is a reverence to, reference to those that have not moved forward from being delivered from those bondages. There's a natural thing is that we must. Now listen, we're hoping to have a new grandbaby this month. Hallelujah. Be our first one. It's supposed to be a little girl on her way. But I'm going to tell you, I'm sure that we are not going to, we're not planning on leaving her in the delivery room. If we have our choice, we'll take her home. And Amanda and Jerry can, they'll come visit. But we're going to have a good time. I'm excited about it. And I know my wife is because she's been buying things for quite some time. And so it's a very exciting time. But listen, it would be weird just to leave them in that delivery room. And so it's the same thing with us as Christians. We must move out of that room that we got saved in, move out of those foundational things. Listen, as Christians, we're not to forget how we got saved and why we got saved or the moment that we got saved. Back in the old days, they'd have the testimony service and they'd have you stand up. Well, name, that, name the date you got saved, where you got saved, the hour you got saved. How many of you have ever been in those services? And you say, oh no, the preacher's fixing to point at me. That's when you got to go to the restroom, right? It's those moments. But there's all right to remember that moment. But listen, you, we've got to move past that moment in our lives. We've got to move past those times in our life. We've got to quit laying those foundations again is what it says. Quit laying, repenting, and getting saved over and over again and start moving towards something a little deeper in your spiritual walk is what this is speaking of. See, that is why we should move toward perfection or maturity, some, depending which translation you're reading. Literally, to become a disciple of Christ, not just a confessor of Christ. Not just a confessor of Christ, but now to become a disciple. You realize that one does not wait until he understands the principles of physical growth before eating or exercising. He does them knowing that beyond the comprehension, growth takes place. Beyond his comprehension, growth takes place. The same should apply to spiritual growth. God has laid down certain conditions and the Christian should meet those conditions and leave the results to God. We should just start eating the Word of God. We should start exercising the Word of God and let the growth process take place in our lives. Even though we don't quite understand it, we should trust God and His Word that we need to grow. We need these things in our life. We are to move forward in our relationship with God. Listen, we are to use God's manual, which is this, as our main nutrition chart for spiritual growth. His Word. I have a glycemic index chart on our refrigerator at the house. And it's also on my phone. It has a low, medium, and high. You know what I've realized? When I will leave, uh, eat and, and digest the things that are on the low side of that index, my life is, I feel better. I, I feel younger. Sometimes I feel like I'm in my 50s again. 
but I start feeling a little younger. But it does make me feel better. But you know what happens right now? I can walk right by that, that chart and never bother me. I, can, I got it on my phone so I can look at it. and If I don't get it out, it does me no good. And the fact is, if I'm going to feel better, I really need to eat better. And I need to have better nutrition in my life. Well, if we're going to grow spiritually, if we're going to be spiritually healthy, we need God's manual to be part of our life. It is that thing that we ought to have our nutrition spiritually coming from is what the Word of God says. Listen, I've got, you, you, this is my preaching Bible. But in my office, i got another ten. At least ten. i got in my apps, i got another probably 25 or 30 different translations. And none of them do me any good at all unless I get it out and read it. I have purchased Bibles at garage sale that are literally, literally you can tell they have faded because they've sat on a shelf so long because nobody picked them up. And I bought them for a dollar and I thought, that word of God did you no good. The manual is what we need. If we're going to grow spiritually, if I'm going to learn how to work out and grow spiritually, I need to apply God's manual into my life. I need to read it and hear what it says. Listen to what 2 Timothy says. Because we're talking growing this morning. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God. It's got to get in us. But it is what we use to grow. Think about it. It's from an author that has been inspired by God. It has doctrine, reproof, correction, instructions for our life. And it's so that we may be complete and also thoroughly equipped for life. The Word of God is awesome. And it is what we need to have in our life. Whether a person be a new Christian, a babe in Christ, or a Christian who has sinned and found forgiveness, we must put a comma and not a period at the end of one's experience. The road of living for Christ still lies ahead. There are difficult hills to climb. Pitfalls await us. Dangers lurk on every hand. There are roaring streams to be crossed. Other crises, temptation, trials are to be faced. So more than ever, we need the Lord's help in His Word to be a lamp under our feet and a light under our path that we may make it through and we may mature and grow in our walk with God. I can give more scriptures of how it is that we as Christians need to grow. But I know y'all don't want to sit here that long this morning. But the concept is this. When I come into a relationship with God, that's not it. That's not the end of it. That's why that says put a comma that we can continue to grow in our walk with God. See, God has given us the local church. How are we going to do it? God has given us the local church as a vital part in Christians growing spiritually. In Christians growing spiritually. The local church. God has given us the local church. In Ephesians 4.11, He says, And He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the equipping of saints 
for the working of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. The word perfect means mature, to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in Him who is the head, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does His share. Listen, this causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are to grow in the Lord. And he's given the local church, this church, this church body. We gather together, and I spoke of all those things, but also one of the purpose of coming here this morning, and not only this morning, but in other areas, other times, is that we may grow in the Lord. That we may mature and that we may be perfected. We come together to grow in God's Word. This is, the whole thing that we do here is designed that way. I know some people give programs a, a, a hard time, but listen, programs a lot of times are set for one thing, and that is to build disciples. And when programs are disciples, when you become a disciple, you're learning God's Word, how to uh, perfect God's Word in your life, how to mature. We have Sunday school classes. You know what we teach in the Sunday school class? The Word of God. We learn the Word of God in Sunday school class. Why do we do Sunday school? I'm, you know we tell you why we do Sunday school? It's so that you have to get out of bed one hour early. You know those times when we don't have Sunday school on Sunday morning? Rob and I think we feel like we kind of had to sleep in till noon. <laughs> Because it's just so weird not getting there in time for Sunday school class. But Sunday school class is so that we can grow in the Word of God. It's to help us to be disciples because disciples come after the Lord. And if we're going to know how to come after the Lord, we come after Him through His Word and we learn who He is through the Word of God. Sunday school class is a very uh, important part of our life. The kids that come to Sunday school class, how many of you have ever heard the story of someone coming back into a relationship with God because of what they heard when they were a child in Sunday school class? You know, it's a wonderful thing that you can pray for a wayward child saying, Lord, stir up the scriptures that they learned in Sunday school class. Kids say amazing things in Sunday school too. I had a lady come up to me one time when the, our girls were all probably three to two years old, and, and Amanda had told my Sunday, one of the Sunday school teachers that I beat on my wife. <laughs> and she was wanting to know all about that. And I said, well, that's not, we just kind of wrestle around a little bit, and, and I don't beat on her at all. But, you know, she could have took that and just spread that all over the church. But listen, Sunday school class does more than There's a lot of cute Sunday school stories but it also teaches those children the Word of God. And never forget, the Word of God is a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. And it's the same thing for our kids. To help them have direction in their life. Children's Church. Sister Bella, she's not here this morning. She's home with Mia, but she's teaching the Word of God 
in children's church. It's not all about, and we have our youth groups, and, and we have these other areas, rural rangers, missionettes. These are all for teaching the Word of God to our children. Why? So they grow up in the Word. That they mature in the Word. That the, the Word of God becomes, where does that take place? It takes place in the local church. It takes place in the local church. It makes a difference. You know, we, we did the, the deal last week about starting our Bible reading. There's a reason for that because we need to get in the Word of God. I had a young, a young lady text me, says, text me last week and says, listen, we all sat around together at the house and we read that passage of Scripture together and my kids were asking questions. It says, when can we hear another story? The Word of God needs to be a lamp. And that's why we come together. I know there's a lot of things. People say it's all about this or that. But listen, one of the reasons, one of the main things we're doing in this church is that we may grow in God's Word. Become who God wants us to be. And so we have these things set aside. I've been told before, you know, that, you know, I've had people tell me about our youth that says, well, you know, you really, y'all need to have more of this going on over there. And I've told every one of my youth pastors, listen, so don't be on the youth pastor, you get on me. I've told all the youth pastors, I want you to have fun over there, but I want those youth to learn God's word. Because I've heard people, well, y'all, that youth group ain't nothing like I went through, and then the people are telling me they're not even serving God. We need the Word. You know, I get it. Kids need to have fun, right? I, I'm finally starting to grow up myself. But we need to have fun. But we also need the Word of God. Because one of the things, one of the principles, one of the things we want to do at San Jacinto is to grow in God's Word. Men's ministry. Every time we have a breakfast, we have a devotion for the Word. All these things, Wednesday night teaching, all these things are aimed at helping us to perfect, helping us to grow. I know. Sometimes it feels like, you know, I think I'll just stay home. I get that. I understand that. But understand that we're not just trying to get you out of the house. We're trying to help each other grow in God's Word. That's it. To grow in God's Word. The local church is here to do that. I know there's a lot of things that go on in the local church that has nothing to do with growing, the, growing a person. But let me say today at San Jacinto, that is our aim. Is that we grow. All these areas I spoke of, uh, they're areas... Designed for Christian growth. They're not just things to keep us busy. Also, the local church not only helps us learn the Word, but also gives us opportunity to apply the Word in our lives for growing experience. Let me go back just for a moment. This morning in our Sunday school class, I asked somebody if they knew a scripture. I, I teach the 18 to 30 years old, and we just kind of go in there and and if I can get them there in time before we quit, we're doing good. But just, but we were in there and I, I said something about a scripture and Elizabeth quoted the scripture out. Ephesians, I think it's uh, Philippians 4, 8, wasn't it? I think. And I, she says, I learned that in Bible quiz. She's one of our kids that have went all the way through church and she has those things memorized. It's important that you learn. It does impact your children. The local church not only helps us learn the Word, but also gives us opportunity to apply the Word 
in our lives through a growing experience. I said earlier, you know, you're not determined by your spiritual maturity or by the, how long you've been in the church or about how much Bible you know. It's about how much you apply in your life. It helps us to apply the Word of God. In fellowship, I love the fellowship of the church, amen? And there's a lot of things that we learn when we come together. It helps us to learn how to love one another. It helps us to love one another even when we are not that lovable. Can I say something this morning? Is that the Lord loved me when I was very unlovable. I, wouldn't have, I sure wouldn't have went to the cross for me. And I wouldn't have said, I, I, for God's my Father so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever believeth in Him. But God loves. Can I tell you love is a taught thing? Love is a learned thing? I remember a long time ago, I was visiting with a lady, and I said, well, I just love those people. And she said, well, I can't stand those people. And I said, that's because you're not loving them with the love of God. We learn to love one another. We love to learn like it actually speaks of in 1 Corinthians. It's a great place. I'm going to tell you the church, listen to this. Don't take this in the wrong way. But the church is a great place to learn how to love and go through an offense. Hey, if you think the local church is perfect, you are wrong. I, you know what I've had to do? It, since I've been a Christian, I have had to grow through offense after offense. And I'm not talking about offense that keeps the cattle in. I'm talking about being offended. And whether you like it or not, the local church gives you opportunity to grow through that. Why? Because we have people interacting with people. <laughs> Come on. We're not perfect. And sometimes, listen, sometimes Oliver comes to church on a, on a weekday in a bad mood and he offends me. <laughs> and sometimes I come to church in a bad mood and I offend him. But I'm the boss, he's not. <laughs> listen, a church gives you opportunity, whether we like it or not, to work through those things. When we leave when we get that way, then we've got it. we didn't work through it. The, the Word of God gives us things that we should do to work through. I know that's, that's tough preaching, but it's the truth. If I would have left the church the first time I got offended, I got someone told me basically I had a pedigree of a dog at a board meeting. I was a board member. I went home and told my wife, I am done with that church. I went out on a walk. And my wife got riled up. Now, you don't get, you get me riled up. Don't get Robin riled up. I went out walking. You know who got a hold of me on a walk all by myself in a town of population of 3,000? Guess who was there? God was there on that walk. And you know what he told me? He says, you need to get over that. And by the way, you need to take that which the Word says, go to that brother and tell him how you feel. Not tell him off. So I called him. I met him. We went into a Sunday school class. The flesh is saying, you need to let him have it. And I said, listen, you hurt my feelings the other day. I was a little I'm mad at you or upset with you. You know what happened? We made up that day in that Sunday school room. Why? Because the Word of God was practiced. And we are still friends today. 
But I'm just saying we have opportunities to grow in the Word. And some growth hurts. I remember my daughter when she was first born, Amanda, her legs were, I can't remember if they're out like this or in like that, one way or the other. But she had to wear braces on her, on her feet. Every night when she slept, she had shoes that would point out that way with a metal bar out there because her legs, those braces was to help her legs to grow. And literally when, she, when her legs would grow, Amanda would sit and cry because the bones were hurt when she would grow. They would literally make her cry, and all I could do is sit and pray over my daughter and say, God, help this not to hurt as bad. But her legs are good now. But it, it didn't happen unless there was something that was going to cause pain. And sometimes when we come together, there are those painful moments, moments that we have to work through them. But if we hang in there, we'll have good legs. We'll have good legs. She played basketball, she ran track, she did all those things. But it was painful at one time in her life. I'm just saying, sometimes we think churches, oh, everything's going to be perfect, everybody's going to respond perfect. No, it's a great place to grow. Don't shout me down. It's a great place to grow. I know I challenge y'all every now and then. I challenge my wife every now and then. I think I will until I go to heaven. I'll be perfect then. But it's that moment. We get to grow in our faith. We get to grow together in faith. When we have people in our family that need a healing, we get to grow together. Let's put our faith together and believe God to do amazing things. We get to grow in forgiveness. We get to grow in mercy. Sometimes we only like mercy because God gives us mercy. But listen, we are to grow in giving mercy. Because mercy is a wonderful thing. If it wasn't but for God's mercy, I wouldn't be here today. He gave me mercy when I didn't deserve mercy. When he should have took me out. But for the, the mercy of God, that I would be also. Let me tell you, mercy is given. We have all these things. We learn to serve one another. We even learn to work through our failures. Where? In the house of God. The list can go on and on, and I'm not going to do that this morning. But I just want you to know, sometimes we got this mindset of the church as being perfect. Everybody acts perfect. Come on now, we're called a family. When is family all acted perfect? Somebody could have said amen to that. <laughs> or preach it, brother. I don't know which one you want to preach. But listen, we are family. The thing about growing in God is that, remember, maturity comes by applying the Word of God, and we can't apply it unless we know it, and the purpose of coming together is to grow in His Word, to grow as people, to grow. Pastor, if you'll come. See, the church is to be about the Word. That's what we gather together for, is the Word of God. And I just think sometimes we quit doing things because we don't know why we do them. You know, I, I thought about my cousin and that awful thing that happened to him. But the other day when I was sitting in a hot tub, they had a sign up there. And it read very clearly, do not get in there with any nicks or cuts on your body. But another thing is that 
those that have such things are supposed to keep the hot tubs clean, purified. A lot of bleach in them. That's what happened to my hair. And there's reasons they do, we do what we do. And sometimes when we forget the reason we're doing things, we don't see the importance of it anymore. And sometimes I feel like in the time that we're living, we're forgetting some of the reasons why we do what we do, why we gather together, and for a purpose of growing in God's Word. It's more than just causing us discomfort on certain days, but we come together to grow, to grow in God's Word. It's ever one of our responsibilities and also the responsibility of the church to help us all grow in God's Word. In 2 Peter, it says this in chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Listen to what it says. It talks about us. Let me start with verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which has been given us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. What is that? To be partakers of the divine nature is where I've heard the message of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died upon the cross of Calvary. That I was born into sin. And I received that into my life. And I confessed my sins. I repented from that. And now I receive the sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary. And I become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped, listen to that, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now listen what Peter tells us in this passage. But also for this very reason. Why? Because I have partaken. I have escaped. Or you could say, I have been delivered from the sinful world. Listen to what he says. For this very reason, do this. I can say I'm saved because I received and accepted the message of Jesus Christ. And now because I do that, listen to what Peter says. For this very reason, why? Because you're saved. He says, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue. That means morals. No longer do we act like the world, but now we have morals that are thus saith the Lord in our lives. We are to add that to what? Our salvation. Add knowledge. The knowledge of His Word. The knowledge of heaven. I should be able to say what has took place in my life. Knowledge. And to knowledge add self-control. That just means taking care of yourself. Watching what you say. Watching what we do. It says add self-control. These that teach you, oh, you said a prayer and you can do whatever you want to, these that read this passage of Scripture. Because that's not what the Word of God says. And it says also, add perseverance. Perseverance. My Word. Nobody likes to persevere. You know why? Because that means you're going through something difficult. 
I don't like it. I don't like the weather out there. But I'm going to persevere. I'm going to send my wife. Go get some more wood for the fire. So we can stay warm. Or I'll go get it. Persevere through what we're going through. I read on the temperature, guess what? If you persevere, Wednesday we're going to be at 63 degrees. <laughs> Hang in there. Persevere. Not only perseverance, add this to it, godliness. Live our lives like God would live them. The Bible tells us to imitate Jesus Christ. Add that to what? Our salvation, our walk. To godliness, brotherly kindness. Be kind to one another. And not only that, brotherly kindness, but it says also to brotherly kindness, love. And listen to what it says. If these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To add to, to grow. That's what we're supposed to do with our walk. And that's why we come together. We come to grow. We come to grow in God's Word and be the men and women that God would have us to be for His kingdom's sake. See, there is a purpose. There is a reason that we come. And is that we may grow in God's Word and be who God would want us to be. So why do we do what we do? There's a purpose and there's a reason. And in that we become God's children. We do it to promote spiritual growth in our church. Amen?